And so, uh, as we're looking at Romans chapter 8, uh, and again, just that, that reminder, the fact that the, uh, the main theme as a whole through the chapter, just over and over again, presents to us the security of Christ being in us through the Spirit and um, through the Spirit of God. And so that security and then verse number 15 and 16 being key verses that, uh, that kind of uh, glue all that together. And you know, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And, uh, and so throughout Romans 8, you see constant reference to knowing you're a child of God, uh, why it is encouraging to be a child of God, um, things that the child of God can hold on to uh, because of the promises of God to his children. And, uh, and, and these next two verses, we've gotten all the way uh, through verse number 23, and uh, we started couple of Wednesdays ago with the, the third sectioning of, uh, of chapter 8, and there's a fourth section, I believe, still to come before we're done, but in this third section of it, it is uh, in, in verse 18 down through verse number 30, and it, it talks about mostly and focuses on the anticipation of promised glory, uh, and the, just the, the anxious awaiting of having that which we've been promised become reality. And, uh, and the fact that this life is just a, a glimmer, this life is just a, a small flash, if you want to put it that way, in all of eternity. Uh, there's not much to it at all, and, uh, but yet it, it, can, it can feel like life itself is eternity. <laughs> it, uh, sometimes it feels like it goes on forever, especially when it hurts. But, um, but yet... The, the anticipation of promised glory, the anticipation of what God is, has told us is awaiting is what gives the child of God the ability to uh, remain faithful and hopeful and um, looking with that longing for what God has promised. And, um, and, and we, even, we dealt with uh, letter A underneath this, uh, the comparison uh, that is presented uh, uh, between the present situation and the future glorification, verse number 18 and then verse number 19 and 21. You know, our sufferings that we have right now can't even compare or not even worthy to be compared to the promises of God, uh, dealing with what is coming for the child of God when this life is over and that which has um, been a struggle, has been, it, it gets completely removed. There's purification, there's glorification, there's justification, there's righteousness that's completely covered. Uh, uh, my, my entire uh, new made body, whatever that's going to be like and however God's going to do it, but I'm going to have a glorified body. Uh, and all of that is awaiting. And uh, everything I suffer or go through in this life can't even sit on the same shelf of comparison to what God has promised. And, uh, and so as bad as it gets here, it's way better yet to come. And, uh, and, and then we went on further and dealt with the, the evidence of the curse of sin in verse number 22 and, and verse number 23, and the fact that all creation uh, uh, suffers because of sin. The child of God is not immune to that suffering. We, have to, we suffer in the flesh as well, 
but, uh, but we look for the redemption of the body. We look for the rapture, and we dealt with that last time. Then um, letter C is, uh, is all I'm going to look at tonight. And it's just two points, but one verse apiece, and then I've got a couple of passages I want you to turn with me to. But um, in verse number 24 and verse number 25, it answers the question, if you want to give letter, letter C um, a heading, it would be, what is hope? What is hope? And, uh, and through that, it gives, gives two basic uh, segments of the understanding of, of the hope that we are promised and the hope that we have. And uh, in verse number 24, it lays out the reality of hope. And in verse number 25, it presents the result of hope. What does hope do? Okay. And so let, let's look at verse number 24. And, uh, and then we'll look at verse number 25. Verse number 24 says, For we are saved by hope. Now, you might say right there, like, whoa, hold on a second. Oh, wait, no, no, no. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, yes, he's not, not saying that because you, you tie in, and I, I couldn't even print off to read to you all the passages dealing with hope, where the word, in, 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 in talking about eternity, in talking about salvation, in talking about through Christ, in talking about the, the hope that lieth in you, uh, not just dealing with, well, you know, um, uh, as Paul at times would say, and my hope for you is, not in, in Paul's hope for somebody else, but the areas in which it talked about the eternal hope. In areas where it talked about the hope through salvation, in areas of the Bible where it mentions over and over and over again, even over in the book of Psalms, Lord, thou art my hope. I mean, there are, I mean, in everything that just constantly, hope, 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 hope in God and through him. And when you tie all that together, you realize that when you're saying that we, by faith, trust in Christ and place that trust in him, for salvation through the blood he shed for us, we are, when you look at all the evidence of what it means to hope in God and for God to be my hope, when you look at all of that, it is exactly what Paul is saying here, for we are saved by hope. Well, I mean, the hope we have, he's dealing with is the faith that we place in the one, that's the only one who can be trusted to not go back on his word, to not fail his word, but we place our faith in the one that can provide us with genuine, true hope. And so it is through hope, <laughs> by hope, we are saved and, and that hope in himself being Christ. But, but here's the thing. Where it's the hope, being saved by hope is also in that, in that sense of we are saved. And he, and he goes on to explain more in verse number 24 in, in talking about the reality of hope. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Well... If I could see Jesus, I'd believe in him. That's not faith. As a whole, our faith 
is placed in one that we cannot see, we have not seen, we can, we can witness evidence of his work, we can witness in, in personal aspects of knowing because I know what he's done for me. I know how real it is in my life. I know the change he has made. I know the evidence personally. I know the evidence visibly that he does. I can see the hand of God working. I know he exists. I mean, even creation itself declares the glory of God. And so in every aspect, I say I know he's there, but here's the thing, I've never seen him. I felt him, but I've never seen him. I've never walked up and had a face-to-face conversation with him. I've never shook his hand. I've never sat and had and 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 and, and sat by him and had him put his arms around me and just and just in a physical sense, real sense, just hold me close. But I felt him as though he did. But that's that's in a the 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 spiritual sense. I've never heard his actual physical voice, but I've heard him speak to me in ways that are much louder than that. But people say, "Well, no, no, you let me see him, and I'll believe in him." That's not faith. And faith. Where we place our faith is an evidence of where our hope lies. I have faith in my job. Well, then your your job is your hope. Well, I've got faith. Y'all bear with me. I've got faith in Donald Trump. He's going to fix it. Then your hope is in Donald Trump, not in God. Well, I've got faith in this, and I've got faith, I believe it. Well, here's the thing. Where where your faith is placed, that is where your hope is placed. And when my hope is placed on anything, my hope of this life, my hope of help, my hope of anything that I need to to sustain and, and survive within all that life dishes out because of sin, if it's in anything other than Christ, then my hope has been placed in everything but Christ. And so, we hope, why? We call it hope because it is faith in that which has not been seen. Therefore, I have hope because I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My hope, my salvation is because of the faith I've placed in Christ. Therefore, my hope is in and my hope is Christ. And I have, and I also, my hope rests in the future that he has promised to me. He says, we are saved by hope for a hope that, but, but hope that is seen is not hope. Well, I just wish I could see him. If I could, I wouldn't need faith. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? That's the reality of hope. You only have hope because hope is in existence 
when eyesight is not available. Hope is in existence when being able to put my hands on it is not available. Hope is what we are given when there's no way to put any tangible evidence before me that humans would rationalize and say, now that can give me a reason to trust. According to the world and according to society, there is nothing about all that we believe, nothing about what, what we say uh, is taught of God from his word and explains what we can know about him and the faith in Jesus Christ. According to a, a society today, there is nothing tangible to prove to them that Jesus is somebody they have to actually believe in. They refuse to put any hope in something they cannot tangibly grab a hold of or see for themselves. And therefore, they have none. They have no hope. Hope exists because the ability for us to see with sight is not there. We have faith in that which we see not. And our hope is built because of our faith in that which is not seen and yet is. And, and, and so, now here's the thing. There will come a day when uh, we, for now, we walk by faith and not by sight. But there's coming a day when faith will become sight. And that which we have believed will be seen. Hope will no longer be needed because I'll have the help visibly right in front of me. I'll have the evidence right there. But we have hope, and we have that hope because it is in Christ. He is our hope, and through that hope, we have salvation. So the reality of hope is, if it wasn't for the fact that we couldn't see him, if it wasn't for the fact that we've never seen him, if it wasn't for the fact that we just go off of the faith of what we are taught in God's word, if it wasn't for the fact that he's not able to be seen, handled, heard in all physical aspects, if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't be hope. So the absence of the tangible is what presents the need and the ability for hope. So that's the reality. And here's the last uh, of, of that very quickly. In verse number 25, he says, But if we hope for that we see not, now here, here is the result of hope. If we hope for that which we see not, what do we do? Here comes that word we hate. Then do we with patience wait for it. Now, here's the, I know we, we, we hit it before, but here is the, the interesting thought concerning patience because you have here the word patience and right after it you have the word wait. And when you think about it in our definition, our definition you automatically think, well, that's what patience means. You got to wait. So why does it say, with patience, wait for it? Isn't that speaking double talk? Patience, wait, it's all the same thing? No, <laughs> no. Um, patience in its reality is waiting without grumbling.
it is basically saying, but if we hope for that we see not, we do with no grumbling and complaining and griping and bellyaching, wait for it. Now, that, that kind of brings a whole another light to patience. It's not just waiting. Um, it, it's waiting contented. Patiently. It's waiting without gripe, without grumble. And with that anticipation of, it's coming. It's coming. I got to wait, but it, boom, it's going to be worth it. I'm not, un, I'm not discontent. I'm content, but man, I can't wait. That's what patiently waiting is all about. I let God do what he wants to do here on this earth. It may not be everything I want. It may not be the most enjoyable thing. But regardless, no matter how bad it gets here, nothing that happens here, nothing individually can remove my hope unless my hope is in the wrong thing. But if my hope is in the one I cannot physically see, but I know he's there, and my hope is in the one that I cannot physically feel, but I can feel his presence, and if my hope is in the one that I can't audibly in this life, and as we think about it, hear, but he can speak to me in so many different ways. I know he's always there. If my hope is in that one that is not seen, not felt, and not heard in this physical realm, but I know he's there. I know I feel him. And I know I hear him. If my hope is in him. Nothing in this life can steal my hope they can take away my house they can take away my job they can take away my financial security they can remove they could even forcefully come in take away my bible they can take away the church they can take away my ability to preach they can take away the cars they can take away even the family they could throw me in jail they can do everything under the sun you can imagine to make me try to uh, try to deny and walk away and say i don't believe any of it but in the end as a whole no matter how much they do no matter what they do if my hope is in him no matter what happens in this life everything can be taken away but my hope can still remain that's the difference in, in, in misquoting Scripture, you got to be careful with Scripture. It's a difference in being set, set free and being made free. The truth shall make you free. It didn't say the truth shall set you free. Be careful listening to the music and songs that are sung. It doesn't say the truth shall set you free. It says the truth shall make you free. We used to tell, tell uh, inmates in prison all the time, and they receive the Lord as their Savior, say, listen, you might still be behind bars, but you, according to the will of God and according to what he wants to do in your life, you can be behind bars and still be a free man. Because your circumstance doesn't dictate your hope. Your hope is in the one that can't be seen, can't necessarily be felt, can't necessarily be touched by the human aspects of reality, but it can through the spiritual aspects of truth. 
You know he's there. You know you hear him. You know he's present for you. And through all of that, no matter what happens, truth, the word of God, and the hope we have can make you free at all times. I always have my hope. I, mm, you got to go with me to a couple of these just to back up. You know, we don't want to build the premise on, on, on just a couple of little passages of, of verses, all right? Okay, so um, there's tons and tons of verses about hope. Challenge you to go back and look at them, but go with me very quickly to Acts 24. Just go back a little bit, Acts 24. I, I actually thought about reading a few more out of Romans. There's a lot more said about hope in, in the book of Romans, but that's Romans 15, uh, and, and I think Romans 12, Romans 15, um, and I really want to leave them alone because we're going to get to those soon enough. And when I get there, I'll, I'll say what I want to say about them at that point. But in, in Acts chapter 24 and verse 10 through verse 15, listen to what is said here. It says, then Paul... After that, the governor had beckoned unto him to speak answered. Now, this is Paul when he's being accused. Um, he says, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship, and they neither found him out the Jews who were accusing him, trying to get him to be made, made to, to be quiet and, and shut his mouth. They're making accusation. He goes on, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. I've done no uprisings. I've done no encouragement of uprisings. They didn't catch me on any of that kind of stuff. He goes on in verse number 13, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Verse number 14, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way, that, 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 uh, that term, the way, he's talking about Christians. They were of that way. They were of the way. And so that's what he's referring to. So, in verse number 14, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall by a resurrection of the dead both, uh, there shall be a resurrection of the dead uh, both of the just and unjust. He says all that to talk about those of the way. What is the way? Those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and follow him with their lives. He says, I, I, am, I confess, I am of that way, the way that they call as heresy. And of that way, I, I have hope toward God that even the Jews will allow this understanding that there shall be a resurrection of, of the dead, both the just and the unjust. Where, have I, where am I wrong? Where am I off? I, my hope is just, it's in God. And it's in the resurrection that we're promised that even those who are trying to accuse me say is real. So Paul's saying those of that way are those that have hope in God because of a future resurrection and new life, new body, new glorification 
that is coming for all eternity. Uh, go with me very quickly, just two more passages, and, and we're, we're going to wrap it up. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, and the next one we'll go to is 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19 and 20. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, and 20, again, Paul, Paul constantly backing up what he says over and over again in multiple different letters to multiple different locations, uh, talking to God's people, uh, and at, like, at that last time, talking to those who were even accusing him and the judge that he stood before. But um, now in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 19 and 20, uh, it says, if in this life only, now this is some of my favorite verses, but if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Not saying that hope in Christ is, the wrong, is a bad thing. What he's saying is emphasizing my hope in Christ is not for just this life. It is for this life, but it goes beyond this life. And if all, if all it was was hope in Christ for this life, we are of all men most miserable. We need to find a, a, a better place to in, invest our faith and our hope because this life isn't much to hope for. My hope in Christ goes, transcends, goes far beyond, goes way beyond uh, just this life alone. So if in, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, but now is Christ risen from the dead? It goes beyond, it's, it's, it's even the life after the death part of this life. And now Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. <laughs> he was the first, but he ain't the last. Just as Christ was risen from the dead, just as Christ was not held by death and corruption, all those that sleep in Christ, all those that have died in this life uh, and, and have tasted of death, but death has no victory. Uh, the grave cannot hold them. Uh, the sting is gone. All of that is taken care of. Why? Because we have hope in the one who was first raised. And just as he was, so shall those who have trusted in him. Thus lies our hope. Last one in First Thessalonians. And again, this is just touching the surface of the different passages dealing with hope. But uh, in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, verse number 6 through verse number 8, it says here, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Verse number 8 is the key. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, I will give you this, and we're going to stop, because I'm already past where I wanted to be on time. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, we're dealing with the armor of God. It's not the entire armor that he's talking about, uh, as, as you see in other passages. But, but he's dealing with certain aspects of the armor, and he specifically mentions the helmet of salvation, but with the helmet, he adds to it a, an agreement to what he said in Romans 8. In Romans 8, he said, we are saved by hope. And in, in, there in, in 1 Thessalonians, he says, uh, taking the helmet, which is the hope of salvation. Salvation is what gives hope, and hope comes from salvation. 
And so he's saying, take on the helmet. Now, here's what's interesting, and I got to stop. But it's the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? This is not hard. The head. Oh, very good. Excellent. Y'all actually know a little bit of anatomy. Okay. The head. The helmet protects the head. What's inside the head? The brain. What does the brain produce that we sometimes fight with? Thoughts. Struggling thoughts. Doubt. Deception. Fear. Or joy. Peace. Confidence. And what he says is, Take on the helmet, the hope of salvation, which is the hope of salvation. It is hope by my faith placed in Christ. It is the hope of salvation that I place on as the, the, the part of the spiritual armor that gives me. It is that hope that protects me from Satan's onslaught of, are you sure? Are you sure? He doesn't really care. You know he didn't really mean it. You know God doesn't hear you. Oh, you know God wouldn't let this happen if he cared about you. Listen, the one thing Satan does more than anything else before attacking physically, he attacks mentally. Not a single person in there that hasn't fought the mental battles that Satan tries to bring your way. And so many of them will, will factor back to spiritual aspects of the one we've placed our hope in. So Paul says, take unto you the helmet, which is the hope of salvation, and get the helmet on, because the helmet's going to protect your mind and your thoughts and your spiritual mental battles. It's going to help you fight against, and what are you fighting with? Hope. You can't take my hope. You can't have my hope. That's why my hope can't be in my ability to keep my salvation because he could definitely tear that to pieces. My hope cannot be on whether or not I'm living up to what God wants me to do at every single moment and I never fail him. If, it, if that was the case and if I'm, I had to live up to it or I'm going to lose it. I would lose it mentally before anything else. My hope must be in the only one that cannot be taken from me because he has never failed. Therefore, my hope through salvation has been placed in the invisible one. And it's not the one I've seen, it's the invisible because hope that is seen is not hope. So therefore... My faith and my trust, my salvation is because of every bit of it based on that hope that I've placed in him. And Satan can take so many things away from me and he can rob me of everything else just like he did with Job. What was Job's anchoring understanding? He had kept his focus on God. Did he even struggle in the midst of all that? Well, if we went through the far depths that he did, we'd probably find ourselves questioning a few things as well. But as soon as God spoke, 
Job said, yes, Lord, sorry, Lord, I was wrong. As soon as God spoke, Job shut up and let God have his say, and it corrected every little thing that was starting to penetrate. Why did it take so long to even get to that point? Because he knew where his hope was. He knew where his hope was. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What was he saying? My hope's in him. My hope's in him. My hope's in him. That's where it is. I don't see him. I can see things happening around, but I don't see him, but my hope's still in him. Satan, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done that. You know, Satan kept on saying, if you give me a little bit more, give me a little bit more, give me a little more. And finally, God said, no, you've done enough. You failed. You could not break him from his hope. And that's what Paul is saying for the child of God. Hope has to be in, in that which is unseen because it wouldn't be hope if it was seen. But it is that hope that helps me to, with patience, wait for what's coming and to never pull out and uproot where my hope has been placed. It's permanent. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the truth of your word. We can...